This week on the Mickey Shorts and More podcast, Paul Rudish, the creator and executive producer of the Mickey Mouse Shorts, is going to be on our show. Did you hear that? <laughs> Paul Rudish, creator of the Mickey Shorts, is going to be on our show. Our show. He's going to be here. Here. <laughs> Listening to the Mickey Shorts and More podcast with your hosts Steve and Keaton. Take it away, boys! Hey, Mickey Shortsters! Welcome to this week's episode of the Mickey Shorts and More podcast. My name is Steve. My name is Keaton. And we have the coolest surprise for all of you this week who have been following this show. For Disney fans across the board, we've got something special and amazing. Now, Keaton and I have been doing this show since 2019, since summer of 2019. And the entire time, we always had this crazy pipe dream as show producers that we're going to get Paul Rudish, who created the Mickey Shorts, on our show and interview him. That that would be the most amazing, crazy, epic show ever, right? But now, we actually have him! <laughs> Alright, so settle down. Yes, exactly. We Somehow, we, we pulled this off. This has been in the work for a long time, but we actually have Paul on the show with us this week. He's going to talk a lot about the creation of the Mickey Shorts, his, some of his favorite roles, some of his stories from his career. Paul is on our show this week. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to do away with our regular show format because we want to give Paul as much time on our show as we possibly can. That means we're not doing news this week. That means we're not going to do our product of the week, Keaton's joke of the week. Uh, we're not going to be watching a Mickey Mouse short. This is going to be the first time we have not watched a Mickey Mouse short. But we're giving all of our time to Paul Rudish, who's going to be here. So, <laughs> Keaton, how excited are you? Very very, 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 very excited. That's a lot of varies. <laughs> that, that's like seven. <laughs> but suffice it to say, we are super excited. Now, we do need to tell you a little bit about Paul so you can appreciate who we're about to talk to here on the show. Now, Paul Rudish is an American animator. He's a writer. He's a voice actor. He's originally known for his art, his writing, his design work, on a Cartoon Network show that I might be a little bit familiar with called the original 2D Star Wars, The Clone Wars. Yes, he <laughs> he massively helped with that one. Th then he wrote, he designed characters for, he directed art for episodes for shows that you might have heard of called Dexter's Laboratory, The Powerpuff Girls, and Samurai Jack. Then he went on to create, executive produce, and direct the Mickey Shorts, the ones that we have talked about since the beginning of our podcast. He's also done The Wonderful World of Mickey Mouse and The Wonderful Seasons, as we call it, of Mickey Mouse uh, for winter, spring, summer, and autumn that are now available on Disney+. He's won Emmys. He's won Annies. He's an all-around amazing, talented guy. Please welcome to the Mickey Shorts and More podcast. Paul Rudish. Mickey Mouse behind the scenes. What is wrong with you people? Paul Rudish, welcome to the Mickey Shorts and More podcast. Thank you so much for being here. 
Thanks for having me. Yeah, this was the goal, like, from the start of this show. <laughs> I don't know if it's a goal. It was, like, a, always a, a crazy dream to have Paul on this show. But uh, we're so excited that you gave us a few minutes, and we appreciate your time today. So, Keaton, do you want to start us off with the first question? Okay. Tell us about you. Who is Paul Rudish? <laughs> An enigma. <laughs> um... <laughs> Paul Rudish is a kid who grew up in a little town in Missouri, just south of Kansas City, on a little farm. Uh, my dad was really into horses, and so we had some horses, and I had to milk the goats before I caught the bus to go to school and, uh, you know, shovel horse poop and do all, all the barn stuff. And, uh, but, I, you know, I love drawing. And my dad was also an illustrator and he worked at Hallmark Cards for many years. And he was really kind of known for like his horse portraits and stuff. He was really into horses, as I mentioned. But um, so I love drawing and having dad there, like showing me that art was a thing that could happen was, was really great. And, uh, you know, I had to live in art coach. So that was really, really fun to have that kind of support. And, um, you know, and as <clears throat> I was growing, um, dad would take me into work, you know, like once a year just to see what happens at Hallmark cards. And I got to see, you know, a commercial art studio and, you know, functioning full of artists and hanging out with young art friends and stuff. And so there was this already this kind of art community that, that, uh, that I knew was out in the world. So, you know, um, I wasn't one of those kids that had the, had the urge, but, you know, often you hear, you know, dad saying, well, that's really great for a hobby, but what are you going to do for a real job? You know, my parents couldn't say that because that's what my dad was doing. So, um, you know, and I was just really into all the cartoons, all the animation, comic books, <clears throat> and then, you know, grew up on all the Disney features and that was back in, you know, in the seventies when I was real young, when they would release, they would re-release all the old classic Disney movies, you know, in the theaters because before we had VHS or DVD or any of that kind of stuff, but they would rotate all the old movies. So, you know, still got to see Cinderella and, uh, you know, uh, Snow White and, you know, all those classics and Pinocchio. And, uh, and then, of course, you know, all the uh, Bugs Bunny and the Looney Tunes and stuff on, on Saturday morning cartoons back when that was a thing. And, um, yeah, I just was really into it. And uh, my dad had actually had moved to Los Angeles. He was one of the, the two artists that invented Rainbow Bright. And uh, that was for Hallmark. And they were originally working for Hallmark. They developed Rainbow Bright for that. And then when they decided to, you know, do an animated show, they sent my dad, Rich, out to, out to Burbank to be the art director on the show. And so that was when I was a teenager. And so I would come out during the summer and visit him and go hang around Deke Studios was where they were producing it. And so, again, I got to see how animation was working and, 
and uh, just be a fly on the wall, you know, just watching artists do their thing. And eventually I um, was looking for an art school and I was at the point where I was like, do I want to learn illustration, you know, and like do comic books or, you know, learn, grow up to be Frank Frazetta and just do, you know, illustrations and paintings or do I love cartoons? And, uh, and I really kind of fell in love with cartoons because of the multimedia of it all, you know, with music and voices and all the aspects of filmmaking on top of all the aspects of illustration. And, um, and then from there, I started getting some jobs around town and, and eventually led here. There we go. Mickey How did the Mickey Short series come to be? Did you approach Disney with the idea or did they come to you? What was the pitch to Disney? Well, um, <clears throat> I had started at Disney in 2011 in like an, a development deal where I was supposed to come in and try to come up with some ideas. And uh, they wanted me to look at classic characters in the Disney library and see if there was a new spin I could put on something. And uh, <clears throat> I was currently working on storyboarding on Tron Uprising and did like storyboards on the first episode of that to kind of keep myself busy working with my friend Charlie Bean, who is producing it. And in the meantime, trying to come up with some ideas and I kept coming back to, it'd be really fun to make something with Mickey Mouse. I love the old Mickey Mouse cartoons, you know, especially the old black and white ones from the thirties and just going, how can I trick them into letting me use Mickey Mouse? He's so precious. They haven't done anything with Mickey for a long time and, and everything had to be very safe, you know, and, but I just, I love the old cartoons and I was like, how can I convince them to let me make Mickey Mouse cartoons like the ones that I loved? And, and then kind of on cue, uh, Eric Coleman, who was the president of uh, TV animation at the time, came in my office one day and says, so I hear you like Mickey Mouse. And I was like, uh-oh, I'm busted. Um, um, what's up? What's up? And turned out that Bob Iger had put out an order to all the departments of Disney going, I want to see new Mickey Mouse. He had a, an agenda to, to revitalize Mickey in, uh, in his popularity and everything. And, you know, they had, they had done their research and things and, and, you know, uh, Mickey Mouse clubhouse was performing really well and it was a really popular show. It was cute and everything. But they found that kids thought that Mickey Mouse was for babies. Once they turned like six or seven, they thought, you know, the, the preschool show was what Mickey Mouse was. And they didn't realize that he was a famous cartoon character. <laughs> and they would ask kids, you know, what's the most famous cartoon character? And they go, SpongeBob. And Bob Iger was like, no way. We have to get Mickey Mouse out there again. And so there was a little period of time where people were developing something for a big pitch. And like I said, all the different divisions of Disney were all working on something with consumer products or video games or publishing, working on ideas for books. And then of course at TV animation, it's like, well, what do we do with 
Mickey Mouse, the world's most famous cartoon character. And I was like, well, we could make cartoons with him. <laughs> Go figure. And, uh, so, so the folks at TVA set me loose and I did two storyboards. I did a bunch of sketching and, and you know, just and kind of research, thinking about why I like Mickey Mouse and what's why does the world like Mickey Mouse? What made him so popular? And and I thought, you know, he was the old cartoons were very well, the original cartoon was silent until they put sound on it. But a lot of you know the old cartoons were very pantomime and not a lot of dialogue, not a lot of funny word jokes, a lot of you know funny picture jokes, lots of funny movement and and weird rubber hose animation and and all kinds of just strange surreal things. And so I kind of wanted to to bring back that that kind of style to it because, like I said, that's what I liked about it. And so I pitched these two storyboards. <clears throat> And it was getting a good response. And then we had our, we called the, the bake off. And that was the big meeting where everybody came to pitch their version of Mickey Mouse to all of the biggest wigs at Disney. And it was, you know, this room of eight, 12, very important people. And, uh, and they were very silent. You know, I got up there, I did my little song and dance and I'm doing my little cartoon voices and I'm showing off the, you know, the, all clicking through the storyboard panel by panel and, you know, doing the dialogue and whatnot. And then they're just very silent, like, okay, thank you. And then we, I left and like everybody who had pitched, like came out like, man, the room was silent. They didn't, I don't think they liked anything. And we were all nervous. <clears throat> and then the next day they gave us a call and said, we like that version. We want a hundred of those cartoons. And I was like, okay, well, why don't we start with 25 first? <laughs> or how about 20? Like, <laughs> okay. All right. right. But uh, then kicked it off and then had to staff up and hire a bunch of artists and, you know, get a team built and start making those cartoons come to, come to life. So out of curiosity, was there a certain episode that you used during that pitch? The first two that we produced. So that was Croissant de Triomphe and No, no Service. service. No okay. Service. <laughs> so with with that that pitch, I mean, those are shows that have some pretty um, edgy humor and some fun nods at uh, Disney history, Disney characters. I mean, all that stuff that's been untouchable in, in times past. How is Disney's reaction to that kind of humor in a kid's cartoon? They liked it. Uh, I mean, thank you very much to Bob Iger, who specifically liked it. <clears throat> um, he had he had the theory that Disney takes itself a little too seriously, and DreamWorks is always taking stabs at Disney and making jokes at Disney stuff. And he thought we need to make we sh we should be able to joke about ourselves and have a better sense of humor about ourselves being Disney. And so I think that that was really what he was looking for. Was a lot, there's a lot of that in those two cartoons that I pitched. And um, yeah, it, everyone seemed to respond really, really well to it. As your audience has, you know, as <laughs> people podcasting for several years about your show exclusively. So, Why does Mickey Mouse live in a different house each episode? 
<laughs> because I think I didn't think too hard about it on purpose, uh, but all the old cartoons was always a reset. He was always in a new place or sometimes in a different time, um, different countries, different jobs. And so I think following that idea, we just kind of thought every story would kind of be its own, its own set piece so that it wouldn't become like a sitcom where we always go back to Mickey's house. And then the gang always meets at Clarabelle's diner. And we didn't really want to establish a set land of, of like Toontown or any anything totally solid for Mickey because we wanted the ability to, you know, place him all over the world. And, and you know, he doesn't he's not a, he's not a visitor to France. In Croissant de Triomphe, he lives in Paris. And so we wanted that ability to just have the freedom to make Mickey who and when and wherever we wanted him to be. I like that. So I, we've noticed that you've shown up on the list as a guest voice in some of the shorts. How, how did that come to be? And do you have a particular character that you love to do? Well, when we do, after the storyboard's done, we do an animatic, which is, you guys are probably aware, um, you know, where you, you time out your storyboards, you make a video of it, and we would do scratch voices, uh, just like temporary voices before we'd record the actors. And that was largely me doing all the voices for those. And sometimes people would just think it was funny that uh, they liked a certain voice that I was doing. It's like, no, you do it. Like, oh, we could hire an actor to do that. And like, no, no, you do that one. Or uh, like the first one was, was Scooter, Mickey's oh, yeah. little mm -hmm. Vespa. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was me and people just like, those are funny motor sounds. Let's use them. And, uh, and so then every once in a while I'd get a, a random guy <laughs> voice, you know, like, uh, the little, the little tiny bug in fire escape, the little guy who goes, what do we do now, Mickey? <laughs> just little <laughs> one lines, you know, little throwaway lines or, you know, the rodeo's in town. It's your paying good cash money. Yeah. <laughs> Straight out of the car, the cartoon. Uh, yeah. All righty. So I, I guess my favorite would be Scooter because he's a reoccurring character. You get to get bring him back. Yeah. yeah. So, so what has it been like? I mean, seeing the impact then of your show. Uh, I mean, it's gone from this this little pitch to the the Disney, you know, the, the guys at Disney to now all of these episodes to now the wonderful world of Mickey Mouse to now theme park rides. What is it like working, seeing your style now in so many places? It, it's a little unbelievable. Um, it's, it's surreal and but it's an honor. Uh, it, it's. I'm overclimped. <laughs> <clears throat> no, it's it's really great, and I mean, especially once we started getting involved with the theme parks, that was really exciting. And to think that you know this show had that much appeal and that had that kind of legs that they were willing to, you know, invest an entire theme park ride and base it on our style uh, was 
very flattering and really fun to be able to be a part of that because I kind of always wanted to grow up to be Mark Davis, you know, who was a famous animator who then became a famous Imagineer and uh, always loved all of his work and was a fan of his career. So to be able to, to like walk across the street to Imagineering and start going to Imagineering meetings and have brainstorming ideas with, you know, all their wizards and scientists over there was really fun. And uh, yeah, getting to see how, how the, the cake is baked at Imagineering was amazing and cool to work with people who thought very differently. You know, uh, I could, I could think in three dimensions pretty well, but you know, now they have to apply all the real science to it. And like, so we'd come up with crazy ideas and then the wizards would go, okay, let's apply some science and let's see which of these crazy ideas we can actually pull off. And then they would do, experiments and they would set up little demos and stuff during the process where they would try to <clears throat> experiment and and prove out some of their ideas and you know how to do projections and and all these various tricks that are now in the ride it's really cool to see that develop and and then now you know even though i saw the whole behind the scenes of the ride once i finally got to ride it in person it was brand new again, even though I knew what was coming around the next corner, everything was still a surprise. And <clears throat> just seeing how all the, all the elements come together and create like a whole new life was, was fantastic because it was a real treat. Awesome. Yeah, imagine if all the stuff back here was Mickey Mouse stuff instead of Star Wars stuff. <clears throat> someday? I, right, so I have a friend who has the wall you speak of <laughs> one of one of our character designers tara had a huge toy collection which just kept getting filled with more and more mickey over the years so i can imagine it it's over at tara's desk i will say that my shelf looks more like your guys i still have all my old star wars stuff <laughs> there we go what things or events or shows do you considering to be career highlights career highlights well like i just gushed about the making of the ride um definitely the whole breadth of mickey has been fantastic i never thought it would go this far i mean we produced 10 years of cartoons and i've never been on a project that's run that long <clears throat> and um uh, yeah it was it's been a treat all the way through uh working with so many fantastic people and just having fun times telling jokes and then and then putting those jokes on on the screen it's great but also um i've had a lot of fun things that i've done over the years powerpuff girls and dexter's laboratory were really fun those were some early projects that i started like you know pretty much right out of school once i graduated from cal arts with uh, Gendy Tartakovsky and Craig McCracken, who developed those two shows. And we had a lot of fun being, being dumb kids, making cartoons. <laughs> and then, uh, then Samurai Jack was a lot of fun. We got to do a really fun drawing style on that. And, and uh, 
really delve into like action adventure stuff. And then Clone Wars was also a really fun thing to do, being a giant Star Wars fan, as you guys may appreciate. Yes, currently watching Clone Wars, yep. trying to finish it. But yeah, we did the the 2D Clone Wars. Yeah, the 2D and, Clone Wars, the uh, original. And that was, but yeah, that was really fun being <clears throat> like the lead character designer on that and art director and getting to style all the, you know, all the classic Jedis and everything was, that was a seven-year-old dream come true. Because yeah, yeah, Star Wars came out when I was seven and it blew my mind and changed my life. And then having a chance to be a part of that. Sounds like this guy right here. <laughs> yeah. So so one, one last question for you. One of the things we, we speculate a lot about on our show when we're watching the episodes and we see just the zany, crazy, random humor is the fun that must be had in the writer's room when you're concocting these things. So, I mean, if we take the wonderful Autumn of Mickey Mouse, which, which we loved, it was a great, great episode. Uh, I mean, just from Donald Duck Dump, dumping miracle grow on his head to goofy you know sniffing it up his nose and suddenly having giant nose hair how much fun is it being in the writer's room and just letting everything you know come out as far as possibilities with these characters in mind it is very fun like i said that um yeah we'll just kind of try to kick around some ideas for basic premise a scenario what What's the idea for the story today? What's the situation? And then it's usually a very simple situation, like like the first one. Mickey needs to get croissants across town. And that's really all the story it is. So, so what are we going to have? We're going to have uh, an obstacle course through a busy, busy city. Okay. So what city do we are we going to use? And at that point, I was like, let's see, he could be a bike messenger in New York, maybe trying to get a package to Minnie, or I don't want to draw my first cartoon of Mickey with a bike helmet. That, <laughs> what's a better helmet? Scooter helmet. Oh, scooters are fun in, in all over Europe. And I was in you know France a couple of years prior to that. And I was like, yeah, I had... Paris was really busy and crazy. And, and so I could take that same idea, but put it in, in a different setting. And hence that came about like story-wise. So again, the, the, the premise was very simple and then you start to decorate it. And then, so you're sitting with your team and you go, so, so here's the premise. Now we have our main characters and we know pretty much how they act to stuff. You know, their personalities are very, set we know how donald's going to react we know how goofy's going to react we know how mickey's going to react to whatever scenario we throw them into so that helps inform us as to what kind of jokes are going to come out you know well donald's gonna he's gonna say this and goofy's gonna have some crazy idea that doesn't even make any sense so then we just start rolling and then we start throwing out ideas of, of what about this what about that and a lot of us are sketching, um, you know, story room is usually one or two writers and then most of our directors. So maybe, you know, six or seven people, there's a storyboard artist that's going to work on that particular episode. 
And we just kind of, like I said, brainstorm. And Eddie Trigueros, one of our directors, can't stop drawing. Like he, he rarely speaks, but he's always drawing. And so like we'd always have this joke that if Eddie's in the room, he's going to storyboard half of your episode for you anyway. Because by the end of the meeting, we just pick up all of his post-it notes of all his crazy drawings and crazy faces. And we've got half the cartoon right here. Thanks, Eddie. But yeah, just it's very collaborative and just throwing out jokes and jokes until, you know, sometimes, well, we can't do that because of this reason. Or <clears throat> that's going to take us off in a direction that doesn't keep us on a on a pathway for our story. So we have to bring it back and go, okay, what we still need to build the road to the end of our story. And uh, so we just have a lot of, a lot of fun pieces and then we see how we can piece all those things together into the puzzle until it feels like a solid story. There we go. Well, Paul yeah. Rudish, we, like I said at the beginning, we have been, <laughs> we didn't think it was going to be possible to get you on the show. And so we are so excited to have you here to have you, you know, answering a few questions from us. Thank you so much for, for taking a few minutes out of your, your busy day Yeah. To, to talk to us about Mickey Mouse. And dad, well, dad, dad had to pull me away from school for like like <laughs> like an hour early from school. <laughs> yes, he was quite happy. But... It's not a big deal. I don't like <laughs> math anyway. You like it? I love it. So let's finish things up. And remember, you can follow all of our past episodes at www.makingshorts and more.com you can find us on apple podcasts on youtube google play stitcher amazon podcasts uh, whatever podcast player you listen to just search for mickey shorts and more and you should be able to find us keaton how can they connect with us on social media so they can uh, you can contact us on face facebook instagram twitter just search mickey shorts and more and if you want a, a voicemail just Go in and do 541-321-0472. Yes, you can leave us your own thoughts in your voice on our voicemail line by calling that number that you can see on the screen or that you just heard from Keaton. So join us next week. Hopefully everyone has a great week. Just remember the one thing we always say. In your life, there's going to be stresses. As you deal with those stresses, the solution is simply watch more Mickey Mouse. Old people, young people, middle people, everybody can watch Mickey Shorts together. You can laugh, you can cry. It'll help you to forget about your troubles. I'm gonna forget my troubles! This is the way to go to just have more fun in life, is to watch more Mickey Mouse, and then come back here and listen to us talking about it and sharing all the recent development and news and all of that fun stuff. So hopefully everyone has a great week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Mickey Shorts and More podcast. Come back next time and we'll see you real soon.